Hello and welcome to Unbounded Growth, a podcast that challenges you to grow and become a better version of yourself. My name is Mark Allen, and together with my friend Adam, we share thoughts and ideas from the books that we read and how they enhance our personal growth and development. We also host other readers and leaders. We learn from the experiences through our discussions. Our episodes here every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you for listening in and let's grow together on Bonded Growth. Hello and welcome back to Unbounded Growth. My name is Mark Allen. I'm your host here, my friend and co-host Adam Shimbinu. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Today is February 21st. We're recording it, of course, on the 20th, but this will be coming out on February 21st, where we're still talking about this new series that we started on leadership. We are talking about the five levels on leadership by Dr. John Maxwell. And so far, we've talked about the first and the second level. We talked about... Uh, the position level, which Adam did a great job exploring that level, what I was sick. And I'm still recovering from a cough. I want to apologize for those of you who heard me coughing last week on the podcast. I thought I was getting muted and I thought I caught every single time that I coughed out, but apparently I did not when I listened to it the day after. <laughs> but then we were still talking about that. And um, we we finished up, we almost finished up with the permission level last week. There's just one one thing, one section we did not discuss about what, what are the best behaviors to adapt on the permission level that will help you move from permission to production. And today we'll be talking about the production. We start, finish our permission, talk about production, which says that making things happen separate real leaders from wannabes. Wannabes. And, and 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 we spend a lot of time with that, you know, uh, what people call leadership today. A lot of time people, when they look at leadership, they look at production. But we also learn that simply because you are productive or you are the most productive person on your team doesn't mean that you're a leader. And that's what we'll be exploring today. Uh, Adam, how are you? How is everything going on your side? Uh, I'm doing well. It's uh, I've been just very busy with research, trying to catch up on with everything. Uh, I have a lot of deadlines coming up and it's... The the cycle doesn't uh, doesn't end. Apart from that, uh, just keep on taking my MBA classes. They've been really a challenge. I didn't know that I was not that good at accounting until <laughs> I actually started taking accounting. I mean, it looked um, everything looks pretty trivial, but nice it time. is not. Yes, uh, the, <laughs> the, the vocabulary is very yeah. intense, and I think that's that's just, that's the point of accounting. Adam, is to complete to what you're saying. When I took accounting, I thought it was about math. But then when you start really getting into accounting, it's not it's not about math. It's mostly about the vocabulary. Finish up. Pretty much. Yeah. So it was um it's just concentrated so much on the vocabulary aspect of things. And I don't understand. Like there are some things that seems to be very basic and very fundamental, but uh, you see like, okay, uh you borrowed a banana or you sold, I don't know, something, and then they pretty much have a different name in accounting and you have to call them differently. And mm-hmm. that's, to me, was it, it's challenging. So I'm still learning, um, kind of just getting the hang of it. That was a challenge. So I had a couple of exams this this past week on that um, and just catching up with, with a lot of the research. Mm-hmm. I had a, a few speaking engagements uh, and actually as they, this episode is coming out, this Tuesday, uh, like today as the episode is coming out, uh, I will be speaking at, at, at UT Dallas. So if anyone is listening to us at UT Dallas, this is going to be in an SSA building. 
in uh, I believe is is um, student activity center something. Oh no, actually no student activity center, but this is SSA building a UTD uh, in the uh, the big um, auditorium that is in there, and it will be a, a part of the Black History Month. That uh, the organization that's organizing it is called Bliss uh, IUTD, and um, it's through a campus ministry called Focus IUTD. So I I will be uh, reading some of my writing, some of my poems, a uh, few creative writings that I I wrote a couple of years ago, but they uh, they are current always, especially during Black History Month, mm-hmm. because they they share the experience of being black and just being in the world. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you can be in Europe, you can be in Africa, or you can be in America. Uh, if you're black, sharing some of the values, sharing some of the experiences of black people all, all across the world. And so I'll be speaking on that uh, this, this Tuesday evening. And I'm really excited to, uh, I have not speak, spoken in a, in a huge crowd in a long time. So this is going to be really interesting um, to get a chance to challenge my public speaking once again for that. Uh, apart from that, so just been working hard, trying to stay productive. My words of the year, and I think we might talk about it even more. My word of the year this year is productivity. So I, I have productivity measures that I've put, I'll set in place and I'll set in motion to make sure that I'm keeping myself accountable. But uh, other than that, everything has been good. I'm really happy with my life right now and I keep just moving forward. Absolutely, that that sounds that sounds really amazing. And uh, you know, being being busy myself, but trying to rest a lot, especially with being sick the last the last few weeks have forced me to slow down and just enjoy life. Yeah, you know. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, before we start, I want to just give a shout out. I mean, we already started, but <laughs> I want to give a shout out to one of the messages that I received today. I believe is one of those few messages that we literally make your whole year. I have a friend that lives in Belgium. He lived here. We met a few weeks before he left the United States. And for some reason, we connected a lot. He's, he's not someone I consider as a friend anymore. I consider him as a brother. He's truly, truly a brother of mine. I, I love him. I love his wife. I love their, their newly born son, uh, Seth. And, and I love this family. Today, he sent me a voicemail, which... Is never done. In the last two years that I've known him, he's never, oh. never sent me a voicemail. <laughs> and he was telling me that, he said, Mark, I'm finally caught up with all the episodes of Unbounded Growth. Wow, I was that's like, amazing. what do you mean? <laughs> he started listening to Unbounded Growth in November of last year. That was like four, five months after we started. And yeah. he went back from episode one to the very wow. last episode we recorded <laughs> last week. So, just shout out to you, shout out to Judith, and shout out to Seth. And thank you so much for, for the positive feedback, especially from someone that I respect as much as I respect Seth. I respect Jazz. Seth, that's his son. I'm calling him my son's name. As much as I respect Jazz, he really didn't mean a lot to me. And um, seeing just, you know, receiving something like that. But, anyways, enough of that. <laughs> that's amazing that's uh that's really heartwarming really really heartwarming it truly was and i and i i promised myself i was going to talk about it today all right now on the permission level we say permission is about allowing people people giving you the permission to lead them and we said on permission level for leadership it's about developing relationships with the people that you work with you know it's not just about thinking about people that work that report to you as subordinate but mostly as people just friends as 
not 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 someone who's lower than you, not someone who is, you know, whatever names we decide to give them. Just remembering that they're still people, they still have families, they still have a lot of things going on in their lives, and learning to develop that relationship so that it can give you the permission to lead them. Now, what are the best behaviors to adapt from a permission level that will help you move into production? The first one is connect with yourself before you try to connect with others. This is what Dr. John Maxwell is suggesting. And I like what he says here, an extract from his book, his other book. He said that the first person that I must know is myself. That is self-awareness. The first person that I might get along with is myself, your self-image. Then he said the first person to cause me problems in myself. And, and I like that one, uh, is self-honesty. Because most of the times as leaders, we tend to blame other people for the things that fall under our responsibility. I think it's the current situation we, we're experiencing in the Congo. Well, the president of the Congo, uh, Felix Chisekedi, as much as he's not to blame for many things that he found when he got to power, he's still the very responsible person for everything that's going on under his leadership. If Absolutely. something happens after him, it's like today, Joe Biden. If something happens after uh, Felix Antoine Chisekedi, we will blame the next person. But as long as you are the leader, everything that goes on, even if you are not involved in it, it is still your responsibility. So the first person to cause you problem is you. And the fourth one, it says that the first person that I must change is myself, self-improvement. And the last one, the first person who can make a difference is myself, self-responsibility. You must connect yes. with yourself before you connect with others. Yeah, and this also comes with, uh, it, it's also a part of the, the book that we reviewed here by John C. Maxwell, 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. He talked about the law of reflection. It's uh, basically putting yourself in front of a mirror and asking yourself, am I the leader that I want to be? Am I leading uh, by example? Who am I? Am I even leading my own life? I believe uh, when we talked about um, the position, the, the level one of leadership, which is position, uh, we touched a few things when it came to values, when it comes to personal growth and personal development as a leader. In this case, I believe John C. Maxwell is again emphasizing heavily on personal development when it comes to leadership. You cannot lead others if you are not leading your life. As I said, uh, I believe I was, um, I was talking to a young man and I was telling them that uh, the leader is, um, is the city on the hill. He is uh, the light of the world, like Jesus said in the, in the Bible. Uh, leadership puts you on the spot all the time. Mm -hmm. And for you being on the spot, you have to have that self-awareness. You need to make sure that you are aware of things that are happening around you. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that you are up to date mm -hmm. with your own life. Mm -hmm. You need to, does these many small things that uh, you might seem to be ignoring about yourself, mm -hmm. but other people can be noticing those things and it can be a stumbling block to your leadership in their life for you to create enough influence 
to lead them. So before you launch yourself into leading others or before you try to be uh, a leader at the permission level, you need to make sure that you are have you have that self-awareness of who you are. Self-honesty. Telling yourself the hard truth and making sure that you can actually live by those principles. It's a uh, it's it's very necessary, it's very important. It's something that I myself am working on very hard. Uh, because without that, you just become a motivational speaker. And I believe, uh, and there's nothing wrong with being a motivational speaker, by the way, but motivation, just giving people motivation without actually uh, having your own personal experience mm-hmm. on things, it becomes, it's completely empty, it's void. Mm-hmm. So, and I think uh, in the next, in the next, uh, in production, we'll talk about it even more mm-hmm. uh, as he, he opens up production he discussed that topic more. But self-improvement mm-hmm. and self-improvement, again, all of this is connected directly to personal growth and personal development. Because I was reading a book, uh, I finished that book, it's called The Goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, The Goal, the the process of ongoing improvement. Mm-hmm. You'll see, it, it's a book about business, it's a book about operations management, how to manage your plants, how to uh, to run services and stuff like that. However, some, something that's, um, they wrote it in terms of a novel. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's drama. There is a whole story in there. And you can actually see the improvements that happen at the personal level of that manager mm-hmm. and the, improve, the improvements that happen, of course, mathematically with all the principles of, of, of operations and, and management put together how that actually changed and transformed the plants to be productive and got him a promotion. So how things working in his personal life were so important for his development in his professional professional life. The second practice he talked about, the second habit he's talking about here is to develop a people-oriented leadership style. Uh, to, 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 to what you just added, Adam, I just want to emphasize on the fact that you can't separate leadership from personal development. I mean, if you want to be a better leader, and that's why we spent a lot of time, and we're still going to talk a lot about books on on, on growth and personal development. But if you want to improve your leadership, you have to learn to be intentional about developing yourself, about bettering yourself. And the first point that John Maxwell is mentioning here, I think is so crucial to actually spend some time to think about it, especially if you lead people. And I think the other thing as well that can help on top of what is mentioned here is learning to ask for honest feedback. You know, that's the one thing a lot of leaders are afraid of, honest feedback. And that's why we have a lot of people in leadership position where everybody, in Congo, there's a word for it. We call it jalelo. Jalelo simply means that people are always singing praises to you. You 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 have, you know, a frog on your head, they're singing praises to you. Yeah. Nobody there telling you that, hey, listen, your your shirt is torn in the back, and people are not telling you the truth. And we I, I try to tell leaders, try not to live in an environment where everybody around you always tell you, always tells you the great things that you're doing. Sometimes, ask for negative feedback. 
I'm not saying that's sick for negative feedback. That's 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 not what I'm saying. <laughs> but we all yeah. have our blind spots. We all have places where we need we need some improvement. We need help. You know, even in your communication, public speaking. I always like when I take a public speaking engagement to ask people for honest feedback. And of course, the the, the beauty of being married to someone who is honest as, as my wife is she would tell you. If you did some, you said something that you shouldn't have said, you know, she would tell you. And it's always good to have someone who's close to you and also accountable. You can be accountable to who can tell you the truth with no filters. So absolutely. The- and and just to um, just a little a little bit adding to what you just said there. Uh, John C. Maxwell wrote another book on 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, mm. and he talked about the law of inner circle. Uh, those are the people who mold your leadership. They are kind of, um, they are the carrier mm-hmm. of your leadership. When they give you, because their opinion matters to you than any stranger, anybody who's going to give you feedback, whether positive or negative. Mm. The people around you, they are the shapers of your leadership mm-hmm. and you have to take them with that much consideration and you have to be very intentional again when you are choosing your inner circle so making sure that you are having around you people who can actually tell you the truth who can be honest with you and who can can check on your leadership that you are actually living according to the values that you are promoting. Agreed. And people that know you better. Not not just people that know the public speaker, but that know that yeah. do not know the, the father, you know? Absolutely. People that know the preacher without knowing the husband. And 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 you know, if some people, I believe some preachers, let's just talk about preachers. Some preachers out there are, are really some 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 great preachers. There is no fault in them. But when you go to the houses, you wonder if it's the same person that was outside and that is inside. So when you choose uh-huh. your inner circle, your inner circle, also think about in consideration how well do these people know you and how open are you to their feedback. You, you see, the problem, Adam, is not that sometimes people don't give us feedback. It's just that when people start giving us negative feedback, we, <laughs> you know, we, we, kick them out, we kick them out of our lives, which sometimes doesn't help us to improve, especially as leaders. All right, let's, let's finish up with the permission here and then I'll move up to production. Develop a people-oriented leadership style. And that's, again, where, you know, the conflict comes in, pro- in position between position and permission. In position, you think about yourself, I'm the leader. They need to come to me. I'm the leader. They need to ask me questions. They need to do this and that. But when you go into permission, it's not about them coming to you. It's about you going to them. It's about you going to the people and creating connection and putting people first before numbers. As long as you take care of people, people will take care of numbers. If you try to take care of numbers and neglect people, numbers will not take care of themselves. People yeah. take care of numbers. You would never remove people from the equation. Mm. People are the essence of leadership. You are not leading, you know, beasts or you're not leading animals. Mm. You are leading people. They have feelings. Mm-hmm. They have needs. They have qualities. And they do have their own, um, I can... I, uh, like downside and upside and pros and cons. So when you are dealing with people, try to get to know them mm. when you are leading. Mm-hmm. Because once you know somebody, you can actually connect with them mm-hmm. and create the influence that, that you need. So if you want to be successful on level two, as John Maxwell say, 
you must think less in terms of systems mm. and more in terms of people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Because emotions drive a lot of decisions that people make. Mm-hmm. And emotion make people to perform higher or to perform lower. And actually, even more, we're going to talk about it in, uh, in production. production. And then the third one, it says here, practice the golden rule. Now, the golden rule has is, is taken many forms in, in many years from different religions and different beliefs. But the golden rule has always been the same everywhere. You know, do not do unto others as the Bible actually says. Jesus says this this way, Don't, do not unto others as they would unto you. But now, John Maxwell, what I find interesting here is that he gives the same golden rule going through uh, a few a few religions or a few beliefs. The Christianity said whenever you want men to whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. In Judaism it says that what is hateful to you, do not do with your fellow with your fellow man. This is the entire law. All the rest is commentary. I like what it says in Islam. It said no one of you is a believer until he loves his neighbor what he, he loves for his neighbor, what he loves for himself. And then uh, in, in, in Buddhism, it actually say, hurt not others with that which pains yourself. So you, you realize that it's just the same thing that is being said in different ways. But at the end of the day, treat others the way you like to be treated. I think I think the one in this Islam uh, seems to be I think strongest mm. of all of them, because the one in Christianity you're saying that uh, do not uh, love others the way you love yourself, mm-hmm. but a lot of us don't even know how to love ourselves. No, no, no jokes. So you, yeah, you don't really know how to love yourself. But in Islam, it actually goes in further details. Mm. It's he talking about what you love for he, for yourself, like. If you love a car for yourself, mm-hmm. you see, you see, you see the, the way, like, kind of the logic there. Mm. If you love something for yourself, you should be loving that something for somebody else. <laughs> and this becomes tough when it comes to possession because when it come, when we talk about it in Christianity, it seems to be pretty abstract. It's just okay, love yourself, assuming that you actually love yourself. Yeah. But here, it's uh, you cannot love yourself. But you can love more your possessions than yourself. <laughs> That's right. You can you can love your computer more. You can love your phone more. You don't care about you, but you, you care about if your phone drops in water. Mm. Like think about it that way. Mm. But now, do like basically love for other people. What you, what love. you love. Like in other words, for what, yourself. <laughs> when I think about it, it's pretty much like okay, if you love a car for yourself, figure out what the other person will love for themselves. And do the same thing for them, right? If the other person will love a boat for themselves, then do the same love that you're showing for your car, show the same love as they're showing for their boat. You know, and then yeah. a, a last one that I pick up here is is in, in Yoruba, actually, in, in Nigeria. I don't speak Yoruba. I wish I could, but I'll learn it one day. It says, one going to take a pointed stick to pinch a baby, a baby bird, should first try it on himself and feel how it hurts. You know, it's just like, you know, before you do some evil to, to other people, try to do it on yourself. If you feel like it hurts, then don't do it, you know? And, and that's the way you develop, you start practicing the golden rule as to how to connect to others and to build relationship with others. Yeah. Uh, number four, he said, become the chief encourager of your team. 
Uh, this is something to me that I take personally. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm the hype man. I'm the cheerleader. I'm the guy in the back cheering for everybody to push forward. It's so important. Of course, um, don't do it too much. It, it doesn't have to be too much, right? Don't start singing praises, as um, Mark said. Don't be at the journalist <laughs> where you are just... Uh, uh, singing praises to somebody mm -hmm. or praising to people. But it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone want to be encouraged. Everyone want to feel like they are an important part of a whole. Mm. That without them, the organization won't be the same mm -hmm. as it is. So as the leader of that organization, your job, it's an essential part of your job mm. that you are the cheerleader of your team as well. Mm. When they do something great, make sure that you are mentioning that, make sure you are singing praises to everyone. When something things are not going right, mm. make sure you're the guy again who is in the back cheering on everyone mm. and making sure that people can pick up, can uh, come up to speed. Anyone actually, this doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who you are. Mm. You wanna be encouraged. You wanna be encouraged at home. Mm -hmm. You wanna be encouraged at work. You want to be encouraged uh, by people you lead or the people who are leading you. Mm. And that's that's a very good point, Adam. I, I like both the first and second part that you're saying. And I know Adam is a very is a very encouraging gentleman. I believe everybody, like you say, that, that know him personally have probably heard some type of praises coming come out of him. And 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 you know, the other the other aspect of what you've just mentioned is don't 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 get in the group of people that offer encouragement because they want something in return. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an African kid. And sometimes when you want something from your parents, you behave that week. You know, you yeah. really, you really on your A game. And sometimes you, you give them some praises. Dad, you know, I love you. You know, <laughs> as a matter of fact, we had a joke in our family. Every time you tell someone, you know, I love you. It's like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, because every time like you bring up praises, it's like you're always expecting something. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because this can turn into manipulation for a leader Easily. if you're not careful. Where a leader comes in and he's trying to puff you up so that he can ask a favor from you or push you to do something. As leaders, we should never use our influence to manipulate others. That's the one the one thing you should never do. Because sometimes people entrust you with their heart, with their mind, with their families, with their emotions. And if in your head all you're trying to do is just hit your numbers and let them go, it's not genuine, right? So we should always strive to be as honest as we possibly can. The other danger with praise, which I, I like to mention, is that know your people. You know some people, how, uh, there's a joke with Michael Jordan. He was actually playing with this player. Michael Jordan apparently was known for not, not praising other players, not encouraging others. It was either Michael Jordan or Kobe. I can't remember the story. I think it's Michael Jordan. It was Michael Jordan. Yeah. And then he said, this player in the first quarter, had 16 points. And he came and really puffed him. I was like, man, this is how you play basketball. And he said at the end of the game, he had 16 points. Michael Jordan went to him and he said, this is the last time I'm ever <laughs> going to give you some encouragement again before the end of the game. Because the gentleman received encouragement and gave up his A game and started relaxing. 
Some people, when you praise them too much, they stop doing what they are good at. So be careful in the way you offer your praise. Always offer encouragement. Always offer praises. But also, be careful to who you're offering praises, how you're offering the praises. But always keep it in your mind. It should be your number one goal to always be an encourager. The last one here, which comes down to what I was pretty much talking about here, to strike a balance between care and candor. Striking a balance between I love you and no, you did not produce. Between I care for you and I care for your family, but no, you need to do better. You need to strike that balance as a leader where you are not always too critical. Some leaders are way too critical. The only time they talk to you is when you do some negative. And they never encourage you when you do some positive. And some leaders actually a little bit natural because they are always encouraging you. And then the next thing you hear, you're fired. It's like, okay, how am I always encouraged? How am I always hitting my numbers? And I'm fired for not producing enough because the leader hasn't had enough time to have an honest conversation with you. And that, that even goes in our personal relationship. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone where everything was rosy, everything was going well, and then all of a sudden, I don't want to be with you anymore? And you wonder, like, where did that go wrong? And I always believe it's hidden in the fact that we are not being honest enough and truthful enough with other people. So it's always important to strike that balance between care and candor. Absolutely. It, and this is, uh, this is something that I have personally struggled with. I think we talked about it more. I'm a people person. Uh, I want people to be comfortable. I want people to be happy. I, I used to avoid uh, difficult conversation tough talk, tough love uh, type of thing. I tried to find what is the easiest way for me to express something. Or I would try to feel how, how would that mean? How, how is the relationship going to be mm. afterwards? Mm. And something that I've learned is, uh, is the power of honesty in this. Uh, you make sure that you are stating things uh, in both ways. Mm. And you are actually stating what you are feeling mm. instead of starting to blame somebody mm -hmm. or make a direct judgment. Mm. If somebody does something that is not correct, mm -hmm. that is not pushing the organization forward, mm -hmm. just make sure, of course, um, you don't want to share all your feelings there or you don't want to say, show how upset you are and so mm -hmm. on. What you want to show... Of course, one thing that I've, I've realized, and I think I was talking to someone, that there was never, there's no wrong answer. There's not, is the person is a human being mm -hmm. with a logic. Mm -hmm. So if they did something, somewhere they meant well. Mm -hmm. However, it was probably not in accordance to the standards of the organization. Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is to show them, okay, whatever you did, is not wrong or is not um, completely negative. But here is a better approach that you can take. And that it takes leadership to be able to achieve that. So something that I've been learning and improving on my own leadership while dealing with people mm -hmm. is the fact that whenever the, converse, the tough conversation has to be, um, um, whenever we have to have that tough conversation, mm -hmm. We need to make sure that the conversation is done mm -hmm. and that can actually bring people together mm -hmm. rather than split them. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. 
if at the end of the day you lose your influence on that person because you use the wrong approach to address a difficult conversation, then you are completely losing in both sides. And Adam, I think you you are making a very good point. Uh, I probably just we found a word to summarize all you said or a statement is learn to separate the portion from the mistake. Absolutely. Many times we we tend to blame we tend to to put them together like okay, I've done some stupid stuff in the past, right? I, I really have. Well, like some stuff I'm not proud of and I look back I'm like, "Mark, that was not the smartest decision you've ever made." But then, that doesn't mean I'm stupid. Exactly. You know, the simple fact that you 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 you've had a stupid decision and and the fact that you're stupid, those are two different things. And many times in leadership, the mistake that I've seen when we're having tough conversation with people is that simply because the person has not produced this quarter, we tend to 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 join the person with his failure. It's like, okay, because you failed, you're a failure. No, you you're not. And parents as well, coming from again an African background and having visited many families and having had a lot of friends. And I've seen it here too in the United States of America, is that parents tend to blame their kids and they tend to to identify the kid with the mistake. It's just like you are never right. You never do things right. No. It's simply because the kid is probably doing some of the things wrong. Doesn't mean that the kid is always doing stuff wrong. My dad, my dad, my late dad, always I I told y'all before that I grew up thinking that I wasn't. I wasn't bright. I wasn't smart. But my dad always told me, it's not that you are not smart. It's just that you are negligent. And the day you learn to separate your intelligence with your grade, that's the day you're going to start improving. And he wanted me to learn, not just have good grades. Good grades, yes, we're a byproduct. You can have good grades without learning. Is, I mean, I've, I've, I've had that before. I know, I know a lot of you have, have as well. You just cram for the exam, pass the exam, and forget everything after that. But he wanted me to understand that simply because I wasn't having good grade in school didn't mean that I was stupid, you know. And in leadership, it's the same way. Separate people from their mistakes. And this is, this is the, last, uh, the last point here on how to, what behaviors you need to adopt. And with that, uh, I'll let Adam move to uh, the third level of leadership, production. Yes, uh, we're going to just go forward. And again, uh, you can pick up this book at any time. We won't be able to cover every single thing in the book. Uh, as we often say that we are not doing a, a book review or um, giving you the highlights of the book and so on. What we are sharing here is the experiences from the book that we have read and how that enhances our personal growth and our development. So we're going to be moving on level level three of leadership, which is production. Making things happen separates real leaders from wannabes. This is one of, um, I believe, one of the toughest part. And to me, I see production level of leadership. You can't, you don't have to advance to four and five. You can get to three and lead a very wonderful life. 
that is going to be very fulfilling, and at least for yourself, um, for yourself, for your family, for your career. If you, you get to three, after going up one and two, and again, this one, these levels of leadership, they are not like a, like a ladder, like a stair, where you, you leave one, you go to the other. No, they all come together. You need number two, you need number one to work with number three. So whenever you reach number three, you can actually stay there even for the rest of your life because number four, it requires you to train leaders. And number five, you want to train leaders who train other leaders. So it's, um, it's another level of dedication to get to number four and number five. But number three is actually essential because it's going to be a cup, productivity. Uh, my word for this year is productivity. One thing that I've observed for the past few years is, of course, I was achieving things. Because whenever you're achieving things, it's what gets noticed. You can have as many relationships as possible. You can be the guy who smiles with everybody, who talks to everybody nice, who uh, have great conversation, who is very well respected. Actually, even to be very well respected, you need to be having some things that you are producing. And those things have to be measurable. When you can have that, then whenever somebody else who doesn't know you can just have your name, there will be something associated to that name, and that's going to be the accomplishment that you have made. And John Maxwell says, he says production, um, he says production quantifies and separates true, lead, true leaders from people who merely occupy leadership positions. True leaders are the leaders that produce mm. and uh, mm-hmm. one uh, thing about about level three mm. is that you cannot fake it yeah level mm-hmm. three it's either you produce and there is a measurable yep. result mm-hmm. and everybody can see it or you are not actually leading you are just a people person mm-hmm. and that's uh, adam that's a very good point because you see leaders today we know leaders because of what they produce. Look, look at it from from a sports perspective. You you go to the enterprise, or you go in family or even kids. Leaders are known for producing results, whether the results are positive or negative. But <laughs> leaders are known for results. When you look at someone like Tom Brady, why do we know him? Yeah, results. <laughs> you just look at the numbers of the only one. You look mm-hmm. at Michael Jordan or LeBron James. How do we know them? Results. We, we don't know how well they relate to other players. We don't know how well they're doing the company. You look at Microsoft or Facebook. Today we're blaming Mark Zuckerberg. We all, I mean, he blamed himself for all the layoffs that, that happened at Facebook. But why do we know Facebook for what Facebook is today? Results. There was someone who came yep. in there and produced results. And, and I think that's, that's the one thing that, you know, a lot of people do not like uh, Elon Musk for... Elon Musk fall because when when he took over Twitter, I know a lot of people were laid off. I personally was not a big fan of how he approached things. This is not the way I would approach leadership. But 
he's a productive leader. He wants results. He wants to look at the metrics. And if the metrics doesn't, you know, meet the numbers that he's looking for, then you are not producing. And 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 the, the reason why, you know, it's important that we're talking about the production level after we've talked about the position and permission is because in corporate today, leaders are judged by what they produce. Now, we're going to dive into the upside of production. And we also talk about the downsides of production and also, you know, the best behaviors you can you can adopt on the third level. As Adam said, we're not here to review every single thing from this book. We mostly talk about things that have helped us, things that, you know, we can easily relate to and and and, and how they can help you, as, again, to become a better leader. And again, as Adam said, I think you made a very good point. In your leadership journey, you actually can relax here for the rest of your life if you do not want to give back to your community, if you do not want to raise other leaders, if someone else is taking is taking care of that responsibility, you can you can, you can rest and, and be okay. But of course, if you want, if you're building an organization that and you want your organization to last forever, to last a few centuries, then of course you need to go to level four and start producing, reproducing yourself, reproducing yourself in a sense where like if you are not here, who else can do your job as good as you can do it, or if not as good as you can do it at least 80 percent of the capacity you can do it so the first thing that uh, john maxwell talks about here in the production the upside of production say production and we, we've just already been talking about it production gives credibility to the leader it says this quote here by peter i think uh peter peter drucker says that there are two types of people in the business community those who produce results and those who give reasons why they yeah. did that. That I, I could not have said that any better. Absolutely. That's actually that's not the biggest truth. Mm. And uh I think the letter more people are on the le- on the, the other side. Uh, it's human nature to find excuse for things. Mm-hmm. Uh whenever we are not successful with something, we tend to blame it on something mm-hmm. else. We tend to blame somebody else. Mm. And uh, uh, that's a problem. It's a problem of being human and it takes leadership to be on the other side, mm. which is the side of production. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, as we said, it's all about metrics. Mm. A leader is measured by what he has achieved. Mm. People follow you because of what you have achieved, because of something special that you can show, that you can demonstrate. Mm. And he goes down and he quotes um, Collins Powell. Mm-hmm. I, I really love this quote. Yeah, this is a really he good say, one. <laughs> you can issue all the memos mm. and give all the motivational speeches you want. But if the rest of the people in your organization don't see you putting forth your very best effort every single day, mm. you won't, uh, they won't either. <laughs> this is simple. Mm. Whenever you have an organization, mm-hmm. it's, uh, think about it as your baby. Mm. And uh, you have your family members mm. as well. Let's say you have your mom, you have uh, your siblings, you have your, all of the other relatives in your family, mm. and you have your baby. The primary care for that baby mm-hmm. is on you. It's not on the aunt, it's not on anybody else. Mm. People 
will only help if yourself you putting yourself you're, you're putting yourself on the line mm-hmm. on the front line to actually produce the necessary outcome mm-hmm. that you need mm-hmm. without that it's the organization going to fail yeah it won't work because uh, why should i be putting of course you are the visionary you are the person who knows where to lead this mm-hmm. um this but and i think in in the the, the, the 21 irrefutable laws of growth he talks about the law of navigation mm-hmm. you are the one who knows how to navigate you're the one who knows where to go next mm-hmm. so if you cannot stand up and get the things done mm-hmm. to the best of your ability nobody else going to do it for you and just to uh, to finish that idea mm-hmm. up John Maxwell says, level three leaders take their people where they want them to go. They don't send them there. Mm -hmm. You pick up the burden, you take care of your baby, Mm -hmm. and the other people will join in and add their contribution. First, it's on you to lead. Mm -hmm. And that's the essence of leadership, if, if, if I may, Adam, you know, I like that you you quoted that because I was just about to say uh, as, as you're finishing up, level three leaders take people from where they are to where they want to be. When an organization hires a leaders, when an organization is seeking for a leader, when a family is seeking for a leader, it's because the organization is trying to go somewhere. It's trying to produce some numbers. It's trying to improve the morale of the organization. It's trying to add some diversity and equity and equi- uh, equity and inclusion in within the organization. Every time the organization or people are looking for a leader, is because they are looking for answers. And a leader who cannot find solutions to problems will just be a wannabe. Because yeah. if if you can't find solutions to problems as a leader. That's what we get you stuck on level two. The only thing that will stop you from going from the second level to the third level is not the your your lack of ability to find answers to questions. Now, here's the reality. John Maxwell talks about a story in first church where he pastored, and this gentleman whose name was Cloud. And Cloud was always on the board. Cloud had the strongest voice within the, the, the community. Cloud, everybody listened to Cloud more than they listened to even John Maxwell as being the pastor. But one, why Cloud never became the pastor? It's a question I've always asked myself. Why wasn't Cloud always there in all the decisions? Why was Cloud in the decision making? He had influence, but Cloud was not producing. And it takes production to move a company from point A to point B. And that's why you need both of them. You need the permission like Cloud had. He had a permission from everybody within the organization. He was well respected. But then to take the church from one level to another, you need a leader who can produce. And this is another trick. If you get an organization where you do not have influence, but you can help the company move forward, you can help the company produce, then the str- one of the strategies that I always suggest to people, develop a relationship with the people that have influence. 
because yeah. those are the only people that will help you to move forward and to move the whole organization forward. If you don't have influence, sometimes, you know, it's just our pride sometimes that stops us from doing things. But when you don't have influence, leverage someone else's influence. I don't need to have influence on everybody Adam has influence on in Bora Technology. As long as I have influence on Adam and I know his influence, I can borrow from that influence to help the company move forward if I'm, if I'm brought in from the outside. Just the influence I have on him. I will not need to do the legwork and go work my relationship with everybody. I can just be in every meeting. I can just be like, Adam, I think this is the direction we need to go and we can produce results. So the production level borrows a lot from the influence on the second level. As a matter of fact, you can, you know, of course, the position, sometimes you you find yourself in the organization. You know, some some organizations are flat. There's like everybody is on the same level. There, there is no, there is one leader and then 50 subordinates that are all on the same level. And the only way to move an organization like that forward, you probably will not have any position, any other position that they can give you. Yeah. The only two things that you have is your permission for the people that give you the permission to lead them, but also your production. When people start seeing you producing results, people get attracted to you. You know, it's funny because... I think production actually attracts people to you. Don't you ever want to be in yeah. the team in the team of the guy who doesn't want to play with Tom Brady if they know that they yeah. can bank up a ring by the time mm-hmm. they don't today? Who doesn't want to be with the best, the coolest dude in class? Everybody wants to be around them because they can produce. So the second the second thing John Maxwell talks about here is leadership production models and sets the standards for others visually. And that's pretty much what we just talked about. Leadership, when you produce, people will look at it and everybody's like, you know what? I want to (laughs) be, when I played basketball, I want to be with a guy who wins. When I played basketball, when I started playing basketball, you know, you start, of course, you're not the best. And at some point, you start growing gradually. Guess what I did? Every time we we played uh, in this in this place in Goma, Eastern Congo. It's called Cirque Sportif. Uh, this, uh, it's like a, a, a gym, <laughs> an outside gymnasium. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. It's, it's a basketball court outside and a lot of people come there. Now, you can find yourself with 10, 15 teams that came there at 4 p.m. and you have until 6 p.m., 6.30 before everybody goes home because it gets dark and we don't, back then we didn't have, you know, we didn't have light outside. If you want to play for two hours, Make sure you're in the team of someone who can actually win. Otherwise, you know, you have to play one game and sit outside for maybe an hour until, you know, your team gets in line again (laughs) and everybody's tired at that point. So leaders set the example visually. Every time people are winning, people want to be in the department that produces, if that department produces and people get bonuses, they want to be on that department. So it's important to set the standard visually. Uh, it, this is the most important part, actually, uh, of production. In if you if if you ask me, because as I said, this is your baby. This organization is your baby, and since your baby, the best person <coughs> to take care of that baby is you. So what you do is, let's say, for example, you have a babysitter mm. who would just come and spend some time with the baby, and then. Uh, probably leave. But this baby 
is still yours to grow and raise. Mm-hmm. And since it's yours to grow and raise, you need to set the standard mm. in such a way that whenever the babysitter comes at home mm. to take care of the baby, they know that, hey, this baby can eat that and cannot eat that. Mm. This is the quality of food that is allowed in this house. And they would just align themselves to that. Mm. There is something actually, there's a quote by Abe Lincoln say that if you want something well done, you need to do, <laughs> do it yourself. yourself. <laughs> yeah. And that's the it danger of the way. production. It, it is, it's danger of production. However, it also sets a certain standard. If done correctly, you have said, like, this is the thing. You want to be in your team in such a way that all the people who are under you or you are leading, when they are stuck and when they think, when they want to evaluate something, mm-hmm. they need to submit that thing to you. They need to be like, hey, I can't let this go. Not just because you are the boss, but because they know that you can bring a lot of improvement. Mm-hmm to whatever level they stopped. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to add the plus Mm. so that when your approval or your stamp, your final stamp, can have value and can create influence among those people. You know, Jim Quick and and Tom Bileu always, they have, uh, they talk about this stuff, about, they say say everybody has some superpower, right? All of us. Uh, And, and, so Jim Quick and Tom Bileo, both of them say that one of their superpowers is that when they work in a room, nobody can outwork them. It's like they are always <laughs> the hardest working people in the room. And and some of the things that as a productive leader, um, one of the, the, the strategies or tricks to use is that make sure that you set the standard that you want people to reach. And 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 that's Adam talked about it when John Maxwell said leaders on the production level don't just send people where they need to go. They take them there. And by taking them there, don't require your people to work a 12-hour shift if you work only seven hours and go back home. Don't do it. Especially if you're working for a nonprofit organization. People need to see you setting the standard and saying that, hey, if Mark Allen can do this, if Adam can do this, if Joss can do this at this level, then I have no excuse not to do what I'm supposed to do. The other stuff John Maxwell talks about here, he said that leadership production brings clarity and reality to the vision. Now, here's what he said. He says, when followers see, see positive results and see goals being met, they get a clearer picture of what it means to fulfill the vision. We talked about this before. A lot of metrics in, uh, you know, corporate America today, they judge leaders by what they produce. But sometimes the vision is not clear unless we know what it means to be, what does it mean to be successful? What it means to be successful aboard technology may be completely different from what it means to be successful on body growth. What it means to be successful on body growth may be completely different from what it means to be successful at UTD. You know, so it's crucial and important to define what success means for your organization as a leader. But then when productive leaders come in, they show that this is success. When we hit our numbers, when we uh, impact people's lives, when we have a million followers, whatever success that you define, but at least people know that this is how success is defined within an organization and productive leaders bring that clarity. 
Absolutely. Um, that was really great the way you put it. We just want to move forward to um, number four here. Where it's a leadership production solves a multitude of problems. And Mark mentioned it, that a leader is a problem solver. You have, uh, again, I'm going to pick on the, on, on the TV show that I, I just spent so, so, so many of my hours watching. I Instead of doing your, your PhD research. <laughs> I forced you for real. I just finished the, all the episodes now, so now I can rest. I can rest assured that I know everything that happened. But there's a character in this TV show. Um, again, it's, this is New Amsterdam that I'm talking about. There's a character uh, nearly the end. I think it's the second to last episode. And I'm not spoiling it for anybody. You can just go watch the rest of the episode. <laughs> you just did. You, you just want. did, man. <laughs> but there is a, there, there, I'm picking up a lot of leadership lessons. And this is actually the thing about, about life when you're exposing yourself to a certain lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You start seeing it everywhere. That's how I see engineering. That's right. telling you, my entire life is about engineering. Mm -hmm. Everywhere I go, everywhere I look, I see how things are engineered, how we can make them better, and so on. And now, lately, at least for the last several months, I just see leadership on every small thing that I see around me. That's right. And in mm -hmm. this TV show, I've been just observing uh, the abilities of leaders. There's like, if you, if the TV show was a book, mm -hmm. actually, you will be studying different type of regime and different type of leaderships mm -hmm. in this. Uh, in the TV show. And in this particular case, there is um, um, the guy who was a psychiatrist, um, Iggy. Mm -hmm. There was a crisis uh, and all the managers or all the chair of departments didn't want, didn't want to be there. Mm. They didn't want to, there was a hurricane or, or a storm, like a crazy storm that was hitting the place and destroying pretty much everything with thunders and so on. And uh, Iggy volunteered to to be a leader. It's like, why didn't why didn't you guys ask me? I, I could also lead. Okay, they were like, okay, cool. You want to lead? Okay, <laughs> be in charge. <laughs> and then until things start becoming crazy, when he doesn't know how. Okay, what do you do now? He started to ask Ma, 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 Max. He was like, hey, can you take over, please? Like. <laughs> you do here like how do you solve this problem like how do you be of course at the end of the day he ended up figuring out he ended right. up actually producing mm -hmm. and that's when uh he could lead his people and he could actually save mm. a lot of people's lives a leader is a problem solver leaders cannot delegate the problem solving to someone else whenever there is a chaos a thing that's happening in, or in the organization mm. You are the one who has most, you are the visionary mm -hmm. of the team. And as a visionary of the team, you got to have some type of an answer mm. to your challenges that you are facing. Mm -hmm. So leaders have to be active in breaking through obstacles, mm -hmm. putting out fires, correcting mistakes, and directing people. You need to be the one pretty much you are the sheriff mm. of your organization. Mm -hmm. You are making sure that everything is aligned. Whenever somebody is seeing a challenge, mm. you can actually provide a solution. Mm -hmm. that's, why, uh, and, uh, that's why a lot of smart people make also good leaders. Mm. Because problem solvers, it's the ability of, of creating a solution mm. to people's problem gives you 
they earn you their, their, their respect, mm-hmm. first of all, and can make sure that those people are aligned to, you, to their values. Mm-hmm. That's why um, John Maxwell said in this, this in, in, in position leadership, mm-hmm. he's talking about it that he, he's trying to, to shed a light on there to show that you can be smart and not be a leader, or you can be uh, you can have knowledge mm-hmm. and not be a leader. Mm-hmm. However, all of those things are essential mm-hmm. to be an effective leader, to be able to to produce. Definitely agree, and I think uh, Adam covered well the fourth point. And uh, we we're going to finish up to finish up with the fifth and sixth point of the upside of leadership. So at the top of the hour here. And next week, we'll be talking about the downside and the best behaviors that you can adopt as a productive leader. And that will help you to move into into reproduction, which I I believe is also a very, very interesting uh, part. I mean, reproducing leaders, producing leaders is actually a very, very challenging part. And we learn, we learn a lot about it, you know, how to discover the potential of leadership in someone and how to help the person see that potential and grow into a leadership. It's an exercise that I've been going through in the last, in the last few years and it takes time. It actually takes time. I, I thought, you know, you're just something where you can pass a book along and someone catch up with all the lessons. No, you you have to be involved, hold them by their hands, uh, mentor them, sometimes teach them step by step. And sometimes, you know, let them fail so that they can learn their lessons. But anyways, fin- let's let's finish up with, uh, with the upside of production. Number five, he said that leadership production creates momentum. Now, momentum... Uh, in the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, there's actually this law he calls the law of Big Mo. Momentum is your biggest friend, but also your worst enemy. When a team is winning, I don't know if you've ever noticed that. When a team is winning, it has the tendency to keep on winning. And when a team is losing, sometimes, you know, they, 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 they're... Uh, the teams in New York, Brooklyn, or oh, you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, what's the other Knicks. team in New York? Knicks, the New York Knicks. Knicks you yeah, know? <laughs> you just create a reputation around you, such as it becomes hard to break a losing streak, where everybody just expects you coming to the game that you're going to lose. It doesn't matter who you sign, but people just expect you that. So, momentum is is one is your biggest friend, and as leaders, the first responsibility of a leader is to create positive momentum and to break negative momentum. That's that's my personal belief. If you get in a team that is always losing, try to give your team some wins, some quick wins, to give them the motivation to think that we are not losers. We're actually a team that can perform and win. And John Maxwell says here that there are three types of people when it comes to momentum. They are momentum takers. These are the people in the organization that... They don't create anything. They come to work, clock in, clock out, go back home, live their lives. They're not trying to create an impact. They're not trying to be to better up the team. They're not trying to better up the volunteering organization. They're there for, for different reasons. And whatever the organization is doing, they catch on it. If the organization is performing well, they will perform well. If the organization is losing, they will lose alongside, along them. That, but they will not try to reverse the course of that. The second most people one. are that. Most people, most actually. people actually, yeah, because expect momentum takers everywhere in uh, the basketball world, the sport world, we call them the bandwagon. Yep. Uh, when the team is winning, mm-hmm. they just go with that. Yep. 
and that's how it works. They don't add value. Mm -hmm. They don't give new ideas. Mm -hmm. They are just joining when things are working. Mm -hmm. Of course, also when things are not working, they will still just be there. there. They are Mm -hmm. not really helping you get anywhere with your organization. And he said that for that reason, they need good leaders Mm -hmm. who produce and create a productive environment. And it's important for you to to, to identify them. Go ahead, Adam. Finish up. Absolutely. And he says... What, like the definition of faith or morale, Mm -hmm. the definition of morale, he said morale is faith in the leader. That is what morale is. Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. who believe in their leader, Mm -hmm. it gives them reason to go to get the job done, even when Mm -hmm. they are not getting paid. Mm -hmm. That's how you get a volunteering organization to keep going by showing them that they really matter and giving them yeah. those wings that this is what we're doing and this is how it's changing lives the second and third one it says that momentum breakers now these are people you want to avoid in your organization uh you know the the english version of these momentum breakers john maxwell put it the right way we call them party poopers they come yeah. in to always spoil the fun they always find a problem in every single solution. And, and those are sometimes people, personally, I don't like working with. They're helpful to, to show you that you need, you need to do some more work, but <laughs> it's a challenge to work with momentum breakers. Have you ever seen, I remember when, when I joined my church about 10 years ago, when I moved to the United States, I assure you, I work with some, some momentum breakers. Some people that always found a problem in every solution complainers they never suggest any solution they they always wait until you find a good solution that you've you've worked hard to tell you that hey this is not right as a matter of fact john maxwell i think tells about this story about this guy oh no it was actually zig ziglar he talks about this guy that had a dog and apparently it was one of those special dogs that they, they their legs are like you know um uh what do you call it? ducks they're like ducks so these dogs can actually walk on water so he called all his friends. He was so excited. He was like, yo, come and see how my dog is working on water. And all his friends came. He's like, wow, that's amazing. We've never seen a dog like working on the water. And one of his friends said, well, y- your dog can swim. He's like, what? <laughs> that's, that's the whole point. The dog will not swim. He will walk on water. <laughs> and there's always people like that, that we always see that your dog cannot swim, but we not appreciate that your dog can actually walk on water. And then... The third one, and, and we talk about maybe in the future how to deal, how to work with momentum breakers. Because sometimes you inherit them. If, if I had to, to pick my team to make my team, I probably won't pick any momentum breaker. But then when you inherit them, how do you deal with them? And especially when you work in nonprofit organizations, you know, and, and talking about what Adam was saying earlier, the part of honesty. How do you... Keep the honest the part in a conversation with a momentum breaker to help them. And some of them don't even know that they're momentum breakers. Some people like have, I, I tend to say that they have a natural negative attitude. They never yeah. seem to see anything <laughs> positive, neither for themselves or for their family or for their lives. So they always naturally just bring the negative. It's not even a fault of theirs. And sometimes they don't even realize that, okay, what I'm saying or how I'm doing things is actually breaking the morale of the team. And until you talk to them, they may not realize it. So the last one is that 
Momentum Makers, it says that. Uh, I like this quote here, and Adam will probably add some more and finish up with the leadership production is the foundation of team building. That would be the last point. But let me read this quote by Paul, Paul Bryan. Paul Bryan says, don't worry about making friends. Don't worry about making enemies. Worry about winning. Because if you win, your enemies cannot hurt you. And if you lose, your friend cannot stand you. Find your momentum makers in your team. People that create traction. Because once you create attraction, the momentum makers recreate the traction. Then the momentum takers, we bring, we take on that traction. And the momentum breakers will not be able to break it once that has been created. And the last year, he's, he's talking about leadership production is the foundation for team building. And we touched on this earlier, but nobody want to be a part of the losing team. When you're a leader, you have to produce. Hmm. You have to create results that are measurable and that are keeping your team motivated and driven hmm. to achieve the vision that you set. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, this is the, your vision. Mm -hmm. You are the visionary in the organization, especially if you are the one who started the whole thing or the whole idea. Uh, a lot of people will say, uh, I think uh, some people who try to come and you know, sell you some of these pyramid schemes, uh, they use a lot of really interesting statements. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, it's either, you know, you start working for yourself and producing your own or you spend your rest of your life living somebody's dreams. <laughs> and that's somebody's dream. That's the dream of the leader. That's right. So everybody else in the organization mm -hmm. is working toward your dream mm. and toward your vision. Mm. And he say, uh, John Maxwell adds here, he say, you can still lose with good players. Mm but you cannot win without them. Yep. Mm. Your team, yep. you have to have the great player. Whenever you are selecting your team, whenever you are building, mm. you need to attract the great players, mm -hmm. the right type of people in the right, to put them at the right place. Mm. And how do you attract the right type of people for your organization mm. as a leader is by being productive. Mm -hmm. When you are producing high quality result, mm. you will attract high-quality people mm. to work for you. Mm -hmm. In fact, you will even attract high-quality friends mm. to be around you. Mm. You will attract those momentum makers, mm. people who are adding the fuel to your engine so you can keep on moving mm. forward. Mm. So as a productive leader, you set a tone for your organization to advance you set a tone for your people to follow and you're kind of like you control the beat in which everybody else is dancing. So production is very important. It's the most important level of leadership. And as I said, you can stay there. You don't have to advance forward. Mm. You require special skills to advance, but you can just get to production and you live a very successful life mm. as a leader. 
Absolutely. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this, this is where we'll be ending today's episode. Thank you for having stayed with us for an extra 11 minutes as we, uh, we are concluding with our the upside of production. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the downside of production and what are the best behaviors you can adapt to move into reproduction, which is, you know, rebuilding, reproducing leaders. And um, yeah, it's with that, uh, let Adam do the uh, the concluding remarks. Uh, <laughs> you can still tell that I'm still uh, struggling with my voice. I didn't know how important my voice was until I got sick. <laughs> you know, so uh, for me, I think this will be it. Uh, God bless you, uh, Adam. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, we are thankful to God for uh, keeping you healthy and uh, recovering your health. That was that was very essential for our team here at Unbounded Growth. And uh, really thank you so much for listening to us, for tuning in on Tuesday and during the week uh, and listening to us for our frequent listeners. Really thank you so much. Uh, this is why we are doing this and this is why we are trying as best as we can to contribute uh, to your life. Feel free to share this to uh, your family member, anyone that you are trying to grow with, and anyone that you want to see in a leadership, not just a leadership position, but you want to see leading other people, just for you and for everyone else. A leader is the one who shares the things that help them grow. So feel free to recommend this to your friend. Again, we are on every platform that you can think of for podcasting so you can check us out feel free to send us any feedback that we can get uh, we're going to continue talking about leadership we're going to talk about the downside of production in the coming episode so make sure you tune in and you share this with all your friends and your entire network all right y'all have an amazing week god bless you and uh, we'll see you next time bye-bye